Welcome to the How to Lead Podcast, helping you develop yourself and those around you. My name's Adam Tarno. We have got a special for the next two weeks. We have got with us another uh, new friend of mine that is here in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. His name is Robin Pugh. He's an executive coach, author, founder of a leadership development firm whose mission, I love this, their mission, uh, the reason they live is to make bad leadership extinct. I love that. That's such a great play on the words, live and extinct. And who doesn't want to see bad leadership go away? We've all worked for bad bosses, bad leaders, and we wish they would go away. And so their firm is trying to help do that. And so we invited Robin on the podcast to, uh, and we've actually split it into two episodes. So we're going to have him for the next two weeks because he's going to talk about such an interesting topic, and that is leaders and doubt. Leaders and doubt. And he's going to talk about this, but we as leaders, sometimes we'll talk about the imposter syndrome, or we'll talk about some other issues that we're facing with leadership. But he makes the argument, and I think he's right, that very few leaders talk about when they doubt their own leadership. And uh, it's a common problem that we've all faced. I think you're going to agree with that as you listen to him talk through this. But he's going to talk about the four doubt types that are out there and four solutions for each of them. So this week, we're going to talk through the first two, and then next week, we're going to talk through the uh, the second two. So you guys are going to really enjoy getting to know Robin Pugh as we talk about the four different types of doubt that leaders struggle with. Enjoy. Well, Robin, welcome to the How to Lead podcast. Good to have you here today. Yeah, thanks, Adam. I really appreciate you having me. Yeah, well, I told you before we hit record, and I said, I'm going to say it when I do hit record. I've been a longtime admirer of you here in the Dallas area. You and I are both in the, in the uh, Dallas-Fort Worth area. So let's just start off, because I'm curious to know some of your background. If I've got it right, tell me if I'm right, because I think you and I have some similarities where I kind of joke around that I'm a recovering CPA. Are you a recovering attorney? That is exactly how okay, I describe good. it. So yeah, <laughs> I, w- I went to SMU Law School here in town and I practiced for about five years and I just found that I was a builder at heart. Mm. And so I wasn't able to scratch that itch as an attorney, but I really do enjoy knowing the rules of the game. It helps. <laughs> That's good. So how long, so you said you did that five years and then did you go immediately from practicing law into what you're doing now with your firm? No, I didn't. I actually had a stint in the middle, which was as a business builder. So I practiced three laws, uh, three years here in Texas, and then my wife got into business school. And so we moved to Palo Alto, California, and I took the California bar and practiced for two years out there. And I sort of thought, oh, well, maybe the practice of law is different out there than it is here. Well, guess what? It was the same. And so I was still unsatisfied. But Because we were in Silicon Valley, really at the dawn of the internet boom, I just was, I I caught that bug and it really more rekindled an entrepreneurial spirit that I had always had and had shown up in different ways when I was younger. And some friends and I started an internet company in the fall of 1998. And that's really what spun me out of the practice of law. Uh, so did I hear you right? You took the bar twice in yeah. Texas and in California? One bar for me, one bar for my wife, the two most populous <laughs> states. If I can't find a job there, we're in trouble. <laughs> That's amazing. Like I would never consider taking the CPA exam twice. In fact, I let my I let my license lapse when I moved out here to Texas and then I wanna and I, I actually passed in Georgia and 
long story short, I had to do so much continuing education to get it back and just said, I'll never do that again. And I'm certainly never sitting for that yeah. exam again. So well, I can't believe you so, did it twice. Yeah. What's so funny is that I won't let mine lapse and maybe it's in some sort of like plan B world. I'm inactive, but it allows me to always sort of pull that trigger, which of course is not my goal at all. But uh, I'm the exact same way. I've got that little card that they send you to go, hey, look, see, I've got a number and it's from the state and everything. So oh my gosh, maybe we're that's so crazy. I know, but we're both in recovery. That's what we said. Yeah. So it's just part of it. That's what we got to do. How would you describe your firm? Because I, I look at your email signature and it's got three very different things that you do. So some mediation, but then some leadership development and coaching type stuff. So how do you, how do you describe what it is that you do full-time now? Yeah, so we're running a leadership development firm that is a boutique firm, but with a national footprint. And so when I say boutique, the realm of learning and development and leadership development is a very broad category. And we are very clear about what we do best. And so that's what makes it a boutique. And yet we've got clients, leaders that we work with all over the country, who are typically the CEO of a high-growth private company or a leader in the C-suite of a publicly traded company. Okay. I like that. That makes sense. So, uh, well, that's awesome. Well, I'm really curious to talk about our subject today. We're going to talk about leadership doubt. Uh, when, I, when I read that as one of the things that you like talking about, I was like, I've got to hear uh, his thoughts on all of this. So just walk me through, how did you uncover this concept that leaders struggle with doubt? Yeah, so when I started this firm about 12 years ago, my primary focus was executive coaching one-on-one. -on -one. And so I was able to log a significant number of hours in that one-on-one -on -one coaching environment. And since we've grown to provide leadership offsites and other leadership development programs, but born out of that original time, you know, the Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hours, I got to a point where I was starting to observe some patterns. And I use a five-part framework that is a leadership development framework, as well as a business growth framework. And I pull all of my clients through that framework. And I notice that people would have a sticking point on one of the five elements. And when I looked at the entirety of the client base, there was really no rhyme or reason as to why that person would get stuck on vision or this other leader would get stuck on strategy. So I did a deep dive, like literally an analysis of several hundred leaders that I worked with. And I started uncovering the fact that all successful leaders experience doubt, but they just don't talk about it. And yet, as successful leaders, they want to overcome that. But because they're not talking about it, it's not socialized. It's not normalized for the leader to be able to have doubt. And then I realized in that analysis that there were four distinct types of leadership doubt. And when I looked at the way that I was coaching them, there were four specific solutions to each of those four leadership doubt types. I love that. Yeah, I mean, you're right, because if you think about the, like, whatever pops into your mind when you think about the word leader, usually that what shows up on that list is confidence, 
or uh, like you've got this vision and vision would seem to indicate that I know where we need to go or where it is that I want to go. So you're right. You don't hear a lot of people talk about doubt. You'll hear some imposter syndrome maybe talked about. Would you say that doubt and imposter syndrome, are they similar or is this different? You know, it's different. And you're right. It does sound very, very similar. Imposter syndrome is typically the individual who does not believe that they should actually be in that role. And I think Oprah really made this famous because she uh, bravely and courageously sort of came out and said, you know, I really suffer from imposter syndrome. And the people who are suffering from that really think that whoever the higher ups are on some given day are just going to come and say, oh, I'm so sorry. We made a mistake. You're not supposed to be here. And go ahead and box up your things. And yeah, we figured you out. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's why when I say all successful leaders experience doubt, it's because these leaders are successful. They're not really wrestling with the fact mm. that they shouldn't be in that role. They're confident, fully confident in nine areas of their leadership, but they've landed on this one thing, this one situation that either they haven't run into before or they've never really been able to tackle. And that's the area that they question their leadership. I like that. Okay. So if a leader is struggling with this doubt, and we're going to get into this list here in a second, we're going to cover two on this episode. And then next week, we're going to, we're going to pick it up with the last two, but uh, let's talk about what happens if a leader doesn't, I, I don't, I'll say it like get this under control or doesn't recognize this. What are some of the downstream impacts that this has both on the, the organization or the team that they're leading and the individual leader themselves if they don't uh, really start to uncover this and work on these doubts? Yeah. So what I've seen time and time again is that leaders are, they're suffering silently. They're successful, meaning they're achievers, they're competitive. And they're like, I feel so confident in these other areas of my leadership why can't I get this one thing figured out? So they're constantly listening for other people who are watching a TED talk or reading a book or listening to a podcast, how to lead, like anything that might solve what they're trying to uh, grow or question in their leadership. And so because they're not talking about it, they're just applying any solution that they can uh, get their hands on. It'd be like going into a pharmacy and you don't feel well and you just start taking any random pills <laughs> that are available. Yeah. And, and yet they're missing this crucial piece of information, which is that not all doubt is the same. Well, absent that inf- information, they're wrestling with this thing that they can't solve. So they start picking up some coping mechanisms, which usually look like bad habits coming across a little bit too sharp or retreating, being too too small for what the role requires. They're all manner of sort of bad habits. And that has a negative impact on their team and on their, their organization as a whole. I like that. Okay, well, let's jump into this list here. Let's at least cover these, uh, these first two on this episode. So uh, the first one, uh, what is this first doubt that you see some leaders struggle with? Yeah, so the first one I want to highlight is uh, what we call lost my mojo. And hmm. each of the four doubt types has you know pretty cute little sayings because this is a heavy topic. And so we want to make it approachable. Well, we didn't just make these titles up. These are literally the words that are ripped straight from the coaching session. So that was the other sort of indicator that was something going on because some part of the coaching population, the leaders that I work with were saying, well, you know, Robin, I just lost my mojo. 
And I was like, well, we better go find it. Where, yeah, where did where you keep it last? <laughs> um, because think about this successful leader that is ascribing their success to some sort of inanimate object that they've last, you know, left with their keys that they can't find. <laughs> so the Lost My Mojo, the trigger event for them is some sort of pretty significant event that has happened in the business or in the industry. So think about the fact that technology is operating to disrupt so many different industries. Well, this leader is trying to climb Mount Everest just every day, get to the pinnacle of their leadership, and then something comes along, either the company merges or there's some sort of technology disruption in the industry, that Mount Everest is gone. And yet that leader in the muscle memory is still training for and trying to climb Mount Everest. So everything that used to work for them no longer is giving them the results that they want. But out of sheer muscle memory from a leadership standpoint, they continue doing the same thing, hoping that they will get to success when Mount Everest is gone. Yeah. Okay. So what what about that would cause them then to go, okay, I I feel like I've lost uh, the mojo. I've lost the secret sauce. I don't I don't have that umph anymore. Is it is, is, does it have to do with the fact that the mountain's gone, so to speak, or what what causes them to say that, would you say? Yeah, as we're talking about it right here, it sort of feels really clear like, oh, well something has changed and the mountain is not there. Why are you continuing to climb it? It's much more insidious than that. Because when you're trying to accomplish something that no longer is really available to you and Everything that you've been doing in your leadership day has worked to give you the results that you want, and you're seeing that slow, methodical progress. You're no longer getting the feedback from your team, from your board of directors, from the marketplace that you're actually progressing. So you're like, oh, well, I must not be working hard enough. So you double down on those leadership skills that have worked before, but you're not getting the result. So it lodges this question in your mind like, well, it used to work. Why isn't it working now? And if we don't pause the work to really gain some perspective, we're apt to just double down and work harder. But again, there's no Mount Everest in front of us. The leader just doesn't know that yet. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm going to say this with a smile on my face, but you didn't have any of these conversations in, I don't know, maybe April of 2020, did you? (laughs) (laughs) I've I've come through a lot over the pandemic and you know, I really felt like a little bit of a professional first responder. <laughs> and, you know, I, I I couldn't sew masks and I really was just looking for something to be able to do. And so I just opened Facebook Live and then ported that over to LinkedIn and started doing these two minute shorts just as a form of encouragement and a leadership nugget for those first 60 days, just so that we could stay in the game. And it was just my way of being able to show up for, you know, the people that were served yeah. by the message. Yeah. And you weren't alone, right? So I would imagine even you yourself, you know, were going through some sort of this, uh, did I lose my mojo? But then you're also trying to coach other leaders who are going through this as well. So that must have been at times kind of an out-of-body experience where it's like, I need to take some of my own advice right now. Is that is that true? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, none of us is immune to questioning our leadership. I mean, I think that's part of the mission that I'm on for the community of leaders is that if we can normalize this topic of doubt, then we can actually neutralize it. And it can 
be a um, go with me on this, a little bit of a gift, because if you're experiencing some leadership doubt, you've got some measure of confidence. If you're 70 percent confident, you're 30 percent doubtful. Well, okay, that doubt's going to change your performance level every single time. We now know because that doubt is pointing to what we've got to work through in order to return to complete confidence. Yeah. So what is the anecdote here is uh, the advice that we give to somebody that's going, okay, that's me, right? I I do. I feel like I've lost my mojo. What, What would you say to that person? Yeah. So every single leadership doubt type has a very specific solution. And so it's, it's deep and it's complexity, but very simply for lost my mojo, that particular leader is needing to cast a new vision for the future. So if the old vision, we're using the analogy, climbing Mount Everest is no longer available, but yet we are still attempting to try and achieve that vision, we've got to take a step back and re-envision what we're trying to accomplish. And so, of course, it's much deeper than that, but that's a simple, you know, cue for people who are listening. I like that. Okay, let's move on to the second one. So the first one was lost my mojo. What's the second one? Yeah. So the next one is deer in the headlights. So this is typically the individual who is very well skilled in a particular functional area. And they are then asked to be the leader of other people who actually do that thing. So those people who are in their charge are looking to that person as the expert and they are in the functional area, but maybe not so in leadership. So as they take their first steps in leadership, sometimes it doesn't always go very well. And then they're thinking, wait a minute, why didn't that go well? Because usually when I make strategic decisions in every other area of the business, it goes really well and I get lauded for it. So deer in the headlights or Bambi on the ice. And so they literally start shrinking back because they don't want to make another mistake. These are experts in their area of focus, but they're doing something new. They're growing in their expertise and leadership, and they just don't want to be wrong. And so they start freezing up, literally, just like deer in the headlights, as they often describe themselves. Yeah. So this one, this one uh, feels very logical. Whenever we start something new, it's going to feel a little bit scary. And so there's going to be moments where you go, oh, no, what have I gotten myself into Right now, I would imagine this is something that a lot of new or newer leaders are probably feeling, especially if you are one of those leaders in a technical industry and your technical competence has been rewarded with now with people management, which doesn't doesn't often make sense, but is really the reality for a lot of leaders out there. Uh, Do you see that in your practice that it's a lot of those in that technical side or first time leaders that are struggling with this doubt? Yeah, I don't know if it would be the first time leaders that I've had a lot of experience with in seeing this particular thing. It's more the latter, which is somebody who's got long tenure in their organization for doing that functional area. And they've long since forgotten that trying something new means that you've got to fail forward because Uh, everything that they're learning, they're expert in. You know, my daughter starts playing basketball and She goes out and she dribbles once and it hits her shoe and the ball goes flying and she starts crying. And I'm like, what's the problem? Well, she expects to be a master basketball dribbler the very first time out. 
And that's just not how it works. And so that's why it's so confounding to these people who are so smart and so well-skilled in one area, but they're taking on a new area. So to your point, new in the area of leadership, perhaps. Yeah. Okay. So what's the solution for this one? So this is the focus on this is for this particular doubt type to really focus on strategy. So they're looking for, if they're freezing up, it's because whatever their strategic ideas are have not gone the way that they've expected them to. So they've actually got to hone their strategic muscles in this area of leadership. They don't have to do it alone because they can actually uh, do it with their team. They can actually work with other individuals, experts, etc. But the problem is they're not accustomed to asking for help. They're the ones for whom other people go to them to ask for help. So they're going to need some assistance to kind of raise their hand. Well, fortunate for me, they're darkening my door. They're saying, hey, I need some help. And so we're able to work through that. But for the leaders that may be listening to this, who have not availed themselves of outside support or outside insight, this is really challenging because there's a level of humility that's got to be laid bare with their team to say, hey, I have all the answers in this area, but not in this area. And so how do you like to be led? And what are the things that are helpful to you? And what are some strategies for leadership that work for our team? I like that. And I'm glad you said the word humility, because that's what was coming to mind as you were describing that, that especially for the seasoned leader that is now experiencing this doubt for the first time in a long time, that's a, that's exactly what they've got to be feeling in the moment. Or maybe they're, they're, uh, they haven't been able to recognize that it's humbling, which which could be a good thing. Uh, it feels like maybe shame or embarrassment or, or some other negative emotion in the moment. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're having a range of emotional experience. And the other thing that compounds that is the fact that their team is implicitly expecting that this individual have all the answers. And the individual feels complicit in the conspiracy that put that individual in the leadership role because they said yes to their boss who said, will you lead this area? So they're kind of getting trapped, if you will, both ways, albeit just in their thinking. But those are the types of um, emotions that they're experiencing that keep them from really taking a step forward in what we're just tossing around like, oh, we'll just be a humble leader. And there you go. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's a lot harder in practice. Yeah. It's easy when you're reading a Brene Brown book or watching one of her TED Talks to be like, oh, vulnerability, that's the best way to go. Okay, I'm just going to start being vulnerable. Listen, you get out there in front of your people, that is hard. That is hard work to do. It really is. That's good. Okay. Well, that's uh, that's great for those first two. Lost my mojo, deer in the headlights. So let's hit pause on this one, and then we're going to come back next week and talk about uh, number three and number four. But this is a great start with all this, Robin. Thanks so much for being on the podcast today with us. You bet. Thanks for having me. Well, Robin, that was awesome. Thanks so much for jumping on the How to Lead podcast with us today. If you all want to follow Robin, get to know a little bit more about him, you can go to robinpugh.com. He's got a great email newsletter that we'll talk more about next week called The Confident Leader. You can sign up for that there. He's a great follow on LinkedIn. So go check out robinpew.com. So those were the first two doubts. We talked about Lost My Mojo, Deer in the Headlights. Join us next week as we talk about doubt types number three and number four. Thank you so much for listening to the How to Lead podcast. This episode was mixed and edited by the team over at Sound of a Rose. You can learn more about them at Sound of a Rose. 
Podcast.com. If you have any questions or comments on today's episode or a past episode, or if you have a killer idea for a future episode, shoot us an email. We'd love to hear from you. You can send us an email at info at howtolead.work. Yeah, dot work. Uh, info at howtolead.work. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again next time.